Hey everyone, it's Brandon Still, host of Nashville Restaurant Radio. And I know what you're thinking about right now. We are so close to being reopened. Whether you're a restaurant or a hotel, there's a big gamble right now. Are we going to be busy? Is, is the mass amount of people just going to flood or is it going to be a trickle? And one way for you to ensure that your business is ready to go is to put together a marketing plan. And that's why Kurt's Hospitality has spent the last several weeks putting together plans to drive business after we are allowed to reopen. They are a full-service sales, marketing, and public relations agency dedicated to growing revenue for their clients. Doesn't that feel nice? Somebody who's out there working every day to get people into your business. That makes much more sense than just trying to post stuff on Facebook. So give them a call. There's no stupid questions right now. Nobody knows what's going to happen. It's always nice to have somebody to bounce ideas off of. 615-456-3953 or visit them on the web at kurtzhospitality.com. That's K-U-R-T-Z hospitality.com. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and happy Monday to you. I don't know if they're supposed to say the days on podcasts because they last forever, but you know what? It is Monday, and a bunch of places are reopening. A bunch of retail shops and just general businesses are going to start reopening. Maybe not for Metro Nashville yet, but today is going to be an interesting day. Hopefully, you got to enjoy this absolutely beautiful weekend that we just had starting Friday. It was just unbelievable. Uh, if you live in some of the rural areas, maybe you got to go out to eat. I saw a lot of people posting pictures of white cheese dip and just like in their happy place. Here we go. We are eating Mexican again. And I am with you a thousand percent. Didn't get to go yet, but I did order to go food last night. And we got it from a place that we typically, we've ordered from a few times. We've been trying to to do the replate challenge and honor some chefs and just support local restaurants. And I'm not going to get into much detail. And if you go back and listen to my episode with Monty Silva, I discussed this. We just had a just a poor experience. You know, just one of those experiences where you go up and you feel like, if you don't want me to buy your food, I'll just stop. You know? And I just feel like we're better than that as an industry right now. Like, even if you're relegated to doing to-go food, do it to the best of your ability. What happened to pride? What happened to people just really taking pride and having a spirit of service and wanting to make sure that the guest has an amazing time? The place I went to tonight did not do that. And um, it just makes me sad. I'm not going to say who it was. But if you're out there and you do run a place that's doing to-go food only... Do it to the best of your ability. Figure out ways to, to increase your operational efficiencies. For the love of Pete. All right, so I will step down off my soapbox. And let's turn our attention to today's episode. Today, our guest, his name is Grant Adams. And he is a chef. And he works at the Marsh House. 
So Grant is a guy I just recently met, and I'm just so blown away by him. He's just got such an amazing story, and the level of positivity that he brings just was completely inspiring to me, and I wanted to share it with you. So hopefully you're getting ready for an exciting week. I always like to say Monday is the first day of the rest of the week that I've got so much I can accomplish starting today throughout the rest of this week, and hopefully you take that mentality with me, and hopefully this interview gives you inspiration like it did for me. So without further ado, Grant Adams. All right, so we are here with Grant Adams. And Grant, you are a kind of a jack of all trades at the Marsh House, right? Correct, Brandon. Uh, I really just kind of do everything. You know, I really love cooking, and it's something that I've been passionate about since really all my life. So when did you start? Like, when was the, did you have like a seminal moment when you decided like, I need to be in a kitchen. This is my love. You know, actually, I did. Um, I had a stroke when I was age four. And my grandmother realized um, that by pulling me into the kitchen and letting me feel the different textures of the foods and um, seeing it and cooking with her was more of a therapy. So from there, that's when I really started learning how to cook. Um, both of my uh, sides of the family have farms, and um, I started to transition into the actual inner workings of the farms, seeing that, um, you know, crop rotation. Where do you want to put your um, livestock? Where do you, uh, how do you keep up with uh, equipment? How do you do all these different things? And you realize that business and food go hand in hand. 100%. So you started early. You had a stroke when you were four years old? Correct. With that, I was, I had woke up one morning and I couldn't move. I was on the floor. And my brother realized that I couldn't move. And I was trying to avoid going to the doctor because, you know, no four-year-old wants to go to the doctor. No. And then my brother took me to my mom, which she realized that I had the droop in the face and I couldn't move. So um, we went to Le Bonner and I was diagnosed with a stroke. Wow. And I didn't, I didn't even know what to say. Like four years old, was there any lasting effects from that? It affected my speech. Um, that's mainly what I remember. You know, of course, when you're four, you don't remember too much. Um, I remember not being able to fill anything, and I remember my dad, He, um, they wanted to put me on a scale and weigh me and get my weight. And my dad had to set me down, and I just fell over. I couldn't stand up on my own. Um, so those are the two main things. But after... I couldn't say any R's. It was coming out like a W. So it slurred my speech. That was the longest lasting effect. Mm. Uh, and then it certainly didn't help a seizure disorder that was already genetic. So something we haven't touched on here, you are an epileptic. Correct. And that you've had that since birth. Yes. So you work in kitchens. Tell me a little about your journey. What was your first professional kind of cooking job? So I transitioned from the farm to working in a grocery store, sacking groceries at a local grocery store. 
in Lexington, Tennessee, which is where I call home. And then after that, my mom had started working in Memphis. So I would ride with her to Memphis, um, which Lexington is halfway between Memphis and Nashville. And I started working at interim restaurant, doing dishes, doing um, prep, doing whatever they needed done. And then from there, I went to culinary school at Johnson Wells University. I got a culinary degree, a baking and pastry degree, a business degree, and I minored in nutrition and entrepreneurship. And then from there, I went to New Orleans. My career really started off under Chef Kelly Fields at Willa Jean. Um, she realized at you know the stage that I was at in my cooking career, and it was really under her tutelage that she just expanded my mind into being able to do everything in a kitchen. What would you say is, what's your, what's your forte? Oh, goodness. Um, what I'm really known for is, of course, you know, you have to have the talent to be able to work in a kitchen and the skills. Um, what I'm really good at is being able to do a million things at once and keep up with it all. So um, I can do, typically what I do is I'll do bigger projects and then work in my smaller projects in between the bigger projects. While in the meantime, there's orders coming in, uh, there's people that you have to talk to or should talk to. Um, and then, you know, you have other people that are working and they need assistance too. So in a way, when you're helping somebody in the kitchen, you're actually giving back to them. 100%. So where do you think that spirit comes from wanting to give back to others i feel like it's the golden rule uh, i've always lived by it treat others as you would want to be treated um and it's also a part of the southern culture growing up in the south you know if somebody needs help you help them i mean my dad he would if there was an elderly elderly person that needed help he would be right there to help them and he would spend quality time with them too um, just because he knew that they were lonely. My mom, she would cook for different people, especially if they needed it, or after surgery, or if they experienced something big. I'm not saying she was the best cook, but, you know, it's the genuineness, and it's the act of service that you really experience in the South. Heck yeah, man. And I love that. I think that um, there's a lot of people that cook for that reason but you you kind of have a little it, you're a little special being an epileptic there's some there's some challenges involved with working in a kitchen and it can be relatively dangerous so you when i first kind of met you you said i'm the guy that wears the helmet in the kitchen <laughs> yes right it's kind of it's kind of become a signature and an icon at the same time so you wear a helmet why do you wear a helmet in the kitchen well, so I have epilepsy, as we've talked about. Um, I have intractable epilepsy, and that's a, pretty much narrows it down. You take the medication, you have the side effects, and you still have seizures. And a lot of people don't necessarily know what that is. Um, so I know that I'm going to have a seizure, and the best way to handle that in a kitchen is to be proactive. You know, I wear the helmet 
for safety. If I so that way, if I hit my head, and it's not as bad. Um, I work on a mat so that way I have a cushion underneath me. Um, I have a pre-reliable aura, which I taste metallic before a seizure, which let me know and to let others know um, that I'm going to have a seizure so that way I can communicate to them. Um, and there's no pressure on anybody that I've ever worked with to say, you have to help me during a seizure. Um, everybody has been really supportive of it. Everybody has always included me. Um, and I've never run into a position out in the restaurant industry where nobody hasn't been willing to help. So how often does this, so you, you've recently had a procedure done. Yes. Tell me about that. So last year at this time, I was actually dying from epilepsy. Um, I was, the, the more seizures you have, the more you will have. Um, and I didn't know last year at the time that I was dying per se. I was going in and out of the hospital two or three times a week at this point uh, last year. Um, and the seizures were at a steady pace about three or four, five times a month. And they just gradually increased. So I went from weekly to almost daily having seizures. Um, and they got to the point where they would go over five minutes, nothing would stop them, and I would have to go to the hospital. Um, and then we realized that we had to do something. So I had gone into the neurologist, and she had sat me down, said, you have to do this procedure, otherwise you're dead in two or three weeks. So, wow. You know, at that point, you really want to ask questions. You know, what am I doing? What is this all about? And, um, you know, we got a little bit of the details. And we didn't know at that time that I really only had a week left on this earth. Um, I had gone home to Lexington, Tennessee. And I was house-sitting. And it was a gorgeous day. It was August 2nd. I had gone out all day I love the outdoors um, I was going in and out of the house of course and the next thing I know I woke up on life support um, I had had a seizure outside of the house and it took them about 30 minutes for them to get there to me and by the time they rolled me over I was already blue in the face so they airlifted me from the scene and had started life support. Um, I don't know if anybody has ever woke up on life support, but it's not the greatest thing. All you can feel is a tube in your chest, and you feel like you can't breathe and you can't see. Um, oh, my gosh. So luckily, luckily um, I was able to survive and live off of life support long enough to get this procedure done. And the procedure is an implant which the generator is in my chest and then they have a lead that goes up to my brain and it's a smart device so when it detects that a seizure is trying to form uh it automatically sends regular electricity to the brain disrupting the seizure activity and it stops about 255 seizures a day 
Wow. So you were having 255, it prohibits 255 seizures every day. Yes, that's our, that's our steady amount. Our consist, what we see consistently across the board when we pull up the chart of what this implant is actually doing. What an amazing procedure that is. That saved your life. It did, and it's what's kept me here a year later. So we're a year later. How's everything going? Um, you had an accident recently? I did. So um, I, was, I, I was at home uh, during this quarantine time, and I was going up the stairs, and I had gotten the aura, and there's a magnet that you swipe across your chest, and when um, you ne- you really need to get three good swipes in, um, but unfortunately I was at the wrong place at the wrong time. I had a seizure on the stairs um, where I had fell forward, hit my forehead, and then I had, um, seized down the staircase. Um, so it led to just a, a moderate severe concussion. Um, and then bruised ribs, a gash in the forehead, um, those kind of things that are inevitable when you fall down the stairs. Um, and you know, really there was no, it was a no win situation. It wasn't that I could get off the stairs to a platform, um, when I got that aura and I don't wear a helmet at home, but what I am looking at is a hat that can protect the head. Okay. So if you're, I mean, that just, bless your heart, man. I think that just sounds so, so scary, certainly at times. So if you're at work and something, you get the aura and so you just ask a coworker, people that work with you, do they know what to do? Absolutely. So everyone that I've ever worked with, um, I've always been open up. I've always been open about the seizures. Um, you know, it's not something that you want to hide and, you know, you can't hide it when you're wearing a helmet. So, um, they know what to do and they can actually tell that I'm going to have one before I even know at this point with working with people for so long. Oh, wow. What amazing people it is that you work with that just jump right in. How does that make you feel to know that you work around a bunch of people that just like just care about you that are willing to do that at at, at a drop of a hat. You know, it makes me feel like everyone else. It makes me feel that, um, I'm around the right people. It makes me feel that I am, I should embrace them back the way that they do with me. I love that. I mean, I just, I, th- I think your story here so far is just so, um, it's just amazing. Cause I think that we live our daily lives. I know I do. And I just don't recognize that there are people every day that are dealing with stuff like this. Man, I, I, I mean, bless you for having to do this. What do you, what's your mental state? Like you seem super positive. <laughs> you know, I, I've lived with all this for so long. I wouldn't know life any different. Um, to say why me or to say, oh, this sucks, you know, negativity is like a cancer. Um, 
and that's not something you want to live like, you know, um, being positive is just kind of who I am. I always try to find the good in everybody in every situation. Um, and it's just kind of built into how I have an outlook on life. You were voted one of Nashville's 30 under 30. Yes. What was that like? So that was a very fun, uh, very fun thing to do. Um, we were, I was able to give back, um, actually raised $5,000 for cystic fibrosis. Um, a lot of people would ask, well, why do you give back to another organization that is an epilepsy? Well, you know, to say that epilepsy is the only um, disability out there, that's just, that's not true. So there are other people with bigger um, bigger disabilities that you need to help. And if you can help them, then you totally should. And cystic fibrosis, I learned about it. I felt that it was the right thing to do especially with how much monetary um, money that they actually need. Um, and giving back was more rewarding than actually getting the award. Mm. So if I was a listener right now and I wanted to know what I could do to help fight epilepsy, what are some things I can do? What are they? You know, there's a number of ways to help with epilepsy, and I would say the first thing is to be aware about it. Um, keep an open mind to it. Not everybody is cookie cutter. Um, we all have our own adversities and our own problems. Um, and when you realize that, you have a bigger open mind. Um, but number one thing is to be aware of what to do when a seizure happens. Um, so it, such as a tonic-clonic seizure or formerly grandma seizure, um, you want to lay the person down. You want to turn them on their side. Um, you want to um, time the seizure. You want to uh, move hard objects out of the way. Sure. And then um, as soon as it's over, you just want to be kind and humane to the person that just had a seizure. Um and then you want to stay with them for about 30 minutes because they'll be disoriented. Um, and then, you know, after that, um, realizing that there's other seizures out there, such as a partial complex seizure, is another thing. Um, it's not necessarily that a person has to shake to have a seizure. Somebody could actually just be staring at you and still have the seizure. Mm-hmm. Um so there's a wide range of seizures out there and the main thing is being aware of them well thank you so much for that i um i want to get back into a little bit just for awareness for just people to understand it and i just love that you're out there in kitchens you're working you're communicating you're giving back your your positive attitude to me is just everything and i just love your spirit i think that you're amazing i think that um everybody out there can just I wanted people just to hear your story and learn from it and go wow I just I just love it man I think that you're you're an amazing guy so what are you doing during quarantine like what do you do in your time 
You know, well, you're not working right now. Marsh House is closed, right? Right. So you're so, just, what are you doing? I'm obviously being a pest to our senators and our congressmen and our governor. Um, you know, the stimulus package was great. Um, the payment protection plan was looked like a golden egg, but however, it is a little broken. So um, a lot of restaurants and a lot of small, small businesses are unable to get um, the PPP, protection payment program. Um, and with that, you know, I realized that somebody needs to stand up and fight for everyone. Um, so I started, you know, getting in touch with our governor, started getting in touch with our senators, getting in touch with our congressmen. Um, and from there, we actually was able to achieve getting it, uh, the revision of priority before the next stimulus goes out. Really? Yes. That's awesome. That's another thing people can do. How did you get a hold of them? Did you just write them letters? Did you email them? Did you call all three? You know, the best way is to start by email. Okay. And then if, if you have to, start calling. You're amazing, man. I mean, one thing is is you don't ever want to give up. And, you know, you say that, and it kind of can go through one ear and out the other. But really... What that saying is, is success isn't final, failure isn't fatal, and it's the courage to go on. Amen. The courage to go on. Uh, I think that's a, um, it's an amazing message, man. What's your, um, what's your favorite movie? What are you watching? You watch anything good right now on TV? <laughs> you know, I've watched a wide range of things. Uh, I really like sports. I like comedy, and I like um, action. Uh, my favorite movie is actually Deadpool. I think that's hilarious. All right. And then, you know, I listen to a lot of music. I'm very active still. I do 12 miles of cardio a day with my service dog, Remington. Um, and then from there, I do home exercises that are keeping me um, fit. Uh, you and I'm just, 12 miles a day and what's your dog's name <laughs> Remington Remington and what kind of dog is Remington he is a German short haired pointer a German short haired pointer and he is your service dog so you live alone I do okay so you live alone so if something happens you have a service dog there yes and I actually have an Apple Watch too that detects falls. So if I don't make it to the ground safely, then the Apple Watch can kick in, detect the fall, and then it calls 911, and then it alerts my emergency contacts. Um, with my service dog, when a seizure happens, he lays across my chest, and then he'll lick the foam that comes out of my mouth to keep the airway open. Oh my gosh. That's incredible. Wow. I give me a second. That's that's um I don't even know what to say. What an amazing animal. They truly are. 
and use 12 miles a day with him? Yes. Yes. He's definitely getting spoiled during quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> They're a very active breed. Um, and they use them in airports too to sniff out um, drugs. But, uh, you know, if I'm in an apartment and he's in an apartment, well, he needs to exercise just as much as I do. So why not take him? Wow. So what's your favorite kind of music? What do you listen to when, when you walk or, or oh, hanging out? Uh, do you have a favorite band? Favorite band? That's so hard to narrow down. You know, really... Genre? I started off with Pandora on my first five miles. And then I switched to YouTube and just start listening to whatever I want. Um... But favorite song, favorite band, that's so hard to narrow down because I listen to everything. You know what's really good to listen to when you walk? What's that? Nashville Restaurant Radio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we could all use that more in our lives. A little little podcast for you. It's like the, the shameless plug. <laughs> All right. Hey, man, is there anything you want to say to the people out there? Anything you want to say? Any Anything at all? I would say, since it's just such an uncertain time right now, um, the best thing that we can all do would be to get comfortable with feeling uncomfortable. Um, and once when you get used to that feeling, everything just kind of goes away. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And you get used to that, you're okay. Everything just kind of goes away. Do you read a lot of books? Uh, I read a lot of cookbooks and business books. What's the number one business book that you could tell people that they should read? Oh, gosh. Um, You know, honestly, I wouldn't necessarily just say a business book. I would say... Keeping up with the stock exchange, keeping up with anything that can keep your mind active. Let me ask you this. If I'm a chef, if I'm somebody who's coming out of school, or if I right now I'm in quarantine and I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to, to come out of quarantine a whole new person, what's the, what's the cookbook that I need to be reading right now? Or who should I be reading right now? You know, that's a very, very good question. There's a lot of cookbooks out there. It's kind of what you're into. Do you want to do baking? Do you want to do savory? Uh, Claudia Fleming came out with a new one, The Last Course. Um, Sean Brock South is always a good one. All right. Uh, and then, you know, there's different uh, regions. So, what's your favorite? What's your best style? What do you like to cook? What do I like to cook? I really enjoy cooking New Orleans Cajun Creole food right now. It provides a sense of comfort. Um, you know, any Southern food. You know, obviously. I don't go crazy with all the different fats and, you know, that kind of thing because I want to keep weight off. I don't want to gain 15 pounds. 
Um, so I've been doing a lot of comfort food at home. Okay. Oh, healthy comfort food, I should say. Well, I'd love to hear it. Thank you for spending the time talking with me today and kind of telling a bit of your story. I'd love to check back with you and kind of do a follow-up once we get this thing back opened and see how you're doing and keep us updated on you. And um, if people want to like contact you, you got an Instagram page? I do. Um, it's Grant underscore Shahannon underscore Adams. Uh, my middle name is Shahannon, so I spell it S-H-A-N-A-H-A-N. And if people follow you on Instagram or find you on Facebook, then you kind of post updates as to how you're doing and what you're doing. I've seen you post lots of things that you're cooking and kind of updates. I love it. So people want to follow you, they can go there and check it out. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, man, thank you so much. And um, I wish you nothing but the best of luck. And um, bless you. Get out there. Keep it going, man. I love your energy. I love your everything about you, dude. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Grant, for coming on Nashville Restaurant Radio. What just a what a compelling guy. I mean, everything about him. You got to think that in the situation that we're all in right now, none of us asked for this. Nobody did anything to make this happen. And you hear a lot of people complain. You hear a lot of people that are, I'm... I'm ready to be out of this. This is annoying, whatever it might be. There's so much stuff going on. But this guy, he didn't ask for any of that either. And he just has an amazing outlook on things. I love what he said. Get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And when you get used to that feeling, everything just kind of goes away. So I'll leave you on that thought. But thanks for listening. Tomorrow, we will be speaking with Chef Julio Hernandez from Nectar Urban Cantina. And then on Wednesday, we have Shane Nasby of Honeyfire in Bellevue, which is one of my absolute favorite places in the city. If you love barbecue, uh, he's just a good dude all around. I cannot wait to talk to him. Same with Julio. So stick around. Uh, subscribe to the podcast so that you can get it directly to your inbox. And um, I hope that you all are doing well. hope you have a wonderful week ahead of you. And stay safe. Love you guys.